Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Auto Car Business Changemakers podcast in association with Tomorrow's Journey. I'm joined in the studio today by Chris Kirby, CEO of Tomorrow's Journey, and Oksana Grishina, who is Head of Future Retail and Transformation at Hyundai UK. Hi, Oksana. Good to have you on the, on the episode. As we always start with, we just want to understand a bit about our guests' background, um, what what brought them here today and kind of areas of, of passion and, and interest in, in the sector. And um, yeah, it'd be good to kind of hear your, your story, really. Yes. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's, uh, it's really good to talk to you guys. And yeah, so I'm Oksana Grishan. I'm Head of Future Retail and Transformation at Hyundai Motor UK. Uh, I joined um, Hyundai in last year, so kind of relatively new, but uh, there is a lot going on, definitely. Um, uh, obviously, I'm responsible for some of the digital projects in uh, in, in the space of uh, retail transformation, so working with dealers, or we call them retailers today. And on another side, I'm also responsible for motion uh, brand, motion subscription. This is the uh, mobility startup Hyundai, um, driven by our um, European colleagues. I'm responsible for car subscription strategies uh, in, in the UK. And uh, that's an actually exciting area of uh, automotive uh, industry that I'm really interested in. And uh, on another side, I'm, I'm really passionate about sustainable mobility, which is, I call it, accessible, affordable and environmentally friendly uh, mobility. Um, and in my role in Hyundai, I'm trying to promote, obviously, more use of electric vehicles. But on another side, as, as a volunteer of uh, um, I'm volunteering as a trustee of Queen's Transport Association, so I'm passionate about accessibility of transport for disabled and uh, elderly people. That's that's kind of me, so I'm really happy to talk to with you about uh, automotive industry and, and, and what's going on. Yeah, and I think maybe that's a place to, to start, I guess, if maybe we start with the uh, the higher level macro um, kind of question, really, and just... What, really, just to get your thoughts on what the trends are, coming trends, current trends, coming trends in the in the auto space, and maybe we'll start to drill down on some things from there. Yes, no, absolutely. I think uh, obviously there is a lot, uh, uh, there are a lot of conversation going on about automotive, uh, how automotive industry is, is evolving. Um, personally, I started looking into future of automotive in 2013 uh, in my role of. Uh, um, global retail strategy at Jaguar Land Rover. At that time, ACES, I was on autonomous driving, connected uh, connectivity in the cars, electrification, shared mobility, very little bit of buzzwords, but also kind of uh, um, really exciting trends that started happening in, in, in automotive. And research and development department, strategy departments looked at uh, those trends and then trying to conceptualize new products and services and impact on uh, uh, automotive and OEMs uh, business models. But now 10 years forward, I think everyone is talking about it. Everyone is impacted in automotive industry, all the stakeholders, including retailers. And I think from my perspective, the most impactful uh, trend um, for the uh, retailer side, if we talk about uh, automotive retail, is the electrification. Uh, electrification, uh, I mean, the majority of OEMs now, um, you know, f- uh, fully involved, are fully uh, um, developing electrification strategy, obviously to reduce CO2 emissions, but this is also part of the uh, bigger sustainability strategies for for the corporate 
uh, companies. And uh, the electrification is, uh, you know, electrification is now progressing very well. So if, if we think since, you know, in the last seven years, the uh, amount of electric vehicles on, on the market, global market now increased up to 10%, as there was an acceleration, uh, um, a significant acceleration that we expect that growth doubled uh, by 2030. Um, and uh, the UK market particularly is the one of the largest European markets uh, from the um, electric vehicle, um, let's say, um, distribution perspective. So we, in, in 2021, we had 11%, more than 11% market share for battery electric vehicles only. And this year, SMMT um, reported increase of that market share up to 13%. So even if um, macroeconomic challenges uh, around the war in Ukraine or, or uh, um, you know, cost rising, uh, cost of living or um, um, cheap shortages, you know, the, uh, we had the COVID pandemic, had everything in the past two years, but in reality, the uh, electrification is progressing state in it. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of I think that in terms of uh, you know what is relevant to our conversation today, electrification for me is the most important trend. Is it fair to say maybe that Hyundai has emerged as a front runner uh, in electrification terms, uh, not just in the UK but Europe wide, and perhaps even globally? How do you think it's uh, achieved that position, and how will it stay on top? Uh, and what can you do to help it stay on top? Yes, no, you're absolutely right. Hyundai is uh, uh, is investing uh, heavily investing into uh, development of uh, uh, electric vehicles, fully electric vehicles. And we 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 launched. I think Hyundai was one of the first lot investments going into of um, specific um, product platforms that would accommodate um, electric vehicles. And uh, now we see all all electric corner. And new corn has been launched. It's it's exciting. It's really exciting product. A unique five, a unique six, thing, uh, and we're also expecting a lot of new exciting products coming in the next few years. So obviously, uh, I can guarantee that these are really, really <laughs> exciting ones. Um, but I would say we as as we we have to be conscious that all others investing into electrification as well. So it kind of keeps us on uh, um, feet in terms of research and development and, you know, uh, helps us to, to focus on electrification, continue investment in, in research and development. And yeah, so from my perspective, I think how I contribute to this, um, to this journey, um, it's uh, by promoting I think the two sides to it, by promoting personally a uh, use of electric vehicles. So my household's got two electric vehicles, kind of a little bit now. Um, we have to change the way we use, uh, you know, vehicles, you know, how we plan our trips, uh, family trips. So that's kind of uh, gives a little bit of change of, uh, on, um, on that side and on professionally promotion subscription for example uh, we're trying to promote more electric uh, vehicles or offering electric vehicles on the short term contracts where the customer can subscribe for a short, short term try to live with electric vehicle see whether this uh, vehicle can fit into their lifestyle and then potentially go to the retail network and purchase the car so we had some cases like this 
so we'll subscribe, subscribe for three months and then, uh, yes, go back and say yes, I'm going to buy one. That's, that's fascinating how you're using motion as a driver, potentially to the retail side of the business. That, that sort of clicks into a lot of what we've heard about how car subscription can, can work alongside traditional retail models. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think there's a, a definitely a couple of things on, on that. I actually wanted to go back one uh, point, actually, just a, an interesting thing about the kind of positioning of, uh, of the brand uh, and through electrification. I was really fortunate in 2019, uh, we had a presentation to some other startups from your global innovation director came from Korea. And part of his presentation said, yeah, the, the change to electrification will basically turn the whole kind of um, the, the level of where brands are positioned on it, on its head. And I kind of went, oh, that's really interesting. And then really since then, I've seen that happen with Hyundai yeah. to, to move um, kind of from, I guess, being in that kind of, you know, middle with, with Ford area to then being able to sort of compete with the, the more premium brands. So I just thought it was interesting that, that they said it and I went, oh, that's interesting. And then now it's actually happened. Um, but yeah, so you go back to your your point just now, Felix, I think definitely, um, and it's something we've talked about a lot before is that bit of going, you know, you need to get people to live with electric cars to, to aid conversion. So a test starting with a test drive, a test drive driving around the block, like you would do a normal car, like is, isn't enough to do what can I get used to this yes. as if what's the experience extended test drives, but then an extended test drive moving into an extended use paid use, you know, one month, two months, three months, uh, maybe that's you stay in a, a flexible um, place because and you know, in other conversations we've we've had uh, on this podcast about you know technology changing you know do you want to go into a car and then change it every 12 months because you want to keep the latest tech yes. or do you then want to go well I've had one for three months I've figured out the change in mindset to uh, uh, to an electric car and actually now I'm happy to commit for a longer term and I think that combination of those things and the use of technology within it's yeah. really fascinating yes yeah, so absolutely I think a couple of points to pick up on as you said, electrification will um, provide additional, you know, additional opportunities for product development as well. So if you if you see the Hyundai Ioniq Five or Ioniq Six, um, the interior the interior space of these vehicles is is mind blowing. I mean, I, I've been you know particularly impressed by the livability of. Uh, electric vehicles, especially from you know Hyundai perspective, so that gives opportunities and you know let's kind of uh, um, attract more customers or different customer groups in into your products. And in terms of um, kind of using different me methods so or to attract people or, or to to let people to try electric vehicles. It's, uh, you know, test drive, I think is, the, is the one of the really important elements in, in the customer journey or in, in, in the customer purchasing uh, process. Because test drive is the moment of truth, right? You know, customers now, in the UK, we have customers, or we have people who have, uh, you know, 84% of, uh, of all population has access to the internet. And this is really the, probably the highest number um, across the all European markets. And it means that the people have access to all information immediately, you know, they can search about, you know, understand about brands, products, services. But it's all kind of theoretical until they actually see the product, you know, physically. So the test drive is really fundamental to confirm or disprove what they learned from the internet, from other people about your product. And uh, uh, yeah, so we 
that it's it's a physical moment. It's it's a, it's an encounter with a product and the sales representative who are presenting the, the product in the test drive. But it's possible to digitalize, mm. right? It, at, at least somehow, yes. Um, and I just want to obviously to pay a tribute to to you guys yeah. for the tomorrow jersey because we as the you know in our partnership we launched now I call it pilot for a moment mm-hmm. but it's a, it's an exciting project uh, online test drive booking platform that allows to customers to be in control of how they book the test drive so when what when and where they can uh, have that test drive because they can choose immediately the all the options that we can offer them. And this is all digital. Yeah. Uh, this is all digital. And um, so, yes, we see that um, you will go moving now with the digital space. This is the digital enables, uh, enables customer experience with the product, enables uh, um, uh, helps customer to 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 test the product and to confirm their their knowledge about product. It's definitely a behaviour change with, with electric vehicles, and, I, and I've been through my own um, change. I got nine and I own five in December. Um, I've had it for six months or so now, uh, and there's just things that um, you don't know. You still have people. You know, I was talking to my friend this week, and he said, "Yeah." If charging infrastructure just not there yet, I said to him, "I've I've only used a public charger once in the last three months. I have home charging, so yeah. it's fine. I've got two hundred fifty mile range. I, don't, I, I used a public charger one time. Uh, I think actually because my home charger wasn't working properly. Um, so you suddenly you can like debunk those yeah. those myths yourself, but it kind of needs to go beyond the normal test drive. And that's I guess where motion also comes in. That maybe it goes beyond a test yeah. drive. You go, okay, right, I like this. This is fine. I think I can make this work, but I need to understand how it fits into my daily life and I think you're, a lot of users are finding that actually when you get to it a lot of the things that people talk about being yeah. barriers are, are not barriers so I think definitely the, the use of technology and that and the use of new products and business models is really really interesting yes yeah yeah absolutely because I, I suppose in a way it's almost it's not just about exposing customers to Hyundai products it's about exposing customers to a new way of living with their you could say it's their car, but I suppose it's not their car anymore. It's just how they get around, but it's not their car. So in that sense, is is Motion playing quite a core role in, in what Hyundai is doing then? Uh, so it's playing a fundamental role in the Hyundai mobility strategy. So obviously, um, Chris, you talked about one of the core strategies is electrification. Another core strategy is moving into mobility services, becoming a mobility mm. service provider. Because we we believe that mobility, it's, it's the way to enable our customers to move from A to B and to deliver the value, customer value. Um, so Motion is a part of this this strategy. It's been launched uh, as a um, kind of a proof of concept and pilot. And it's proved successful in two markets, uh, Spain and, and the UK. Mm-hmm. And now there is a plan to roll out to all other additional European markets. And is that a thing coming into kind of customer customer experience as well? So another area I know that you're uh, passionate about, about kind of the connecting digitalization uh, and the experience itself, because I think that's kind of a key part. We talked about it in the context of test drive, but also 
you know, the type of customers that are looking to change in, into electric vehicles and maybe looking for a different type of product the way they access their car maybe not so much uh, or not so fixed to the kind of ownership or like finance based uh, model and kind of want that those elements of flexibility in it is that how you guys are seeing it through motion are you seeing the electric vehicles a kind of prominent part of the mix yes yes indeed because um when we started i mean car subscription customers if you think they are they're different from the retail customers there are, there are different reasons why they actually want a flexible ownership. On one side is is because there is low commitment in terms of, you know, you don't have to put any deposit to, to have a car. Um, and it's uh, also peace of mind because everything in is, in is included. So this takes kind of some big pain points of car ownership away. On top of that, the people who are interested in electric vehicles, they would say, yes, I'm going for the short term. I'll try to link with this, with this product and, and see how it works. All of this pain has been already taken out of me. I'm just focusing on, on you know, living with, with the product. So I think it's, it's a good combination of customer value that subscription or motion subscription provides to all customers because we give them time we give uh, customers time to live with a product to test the product and we take their pain points away in terms of servicing and insurance uh, and you know just uh, taking care of of anything the customer would need from from the car or from the from from motion is that one of the key sorry is that, I was gonna say, was that one of the key uh, kind of learnings you've had about the customer experience kind of benefits i guess of of motion so if you're kind of combining those two uh, two threads, really, that the experience becomes one. It's kind of it, it's more digital, it's quicker, it's more flexible. Yes. But you then you've got that kind of peace of mind element as well. Is that kind of the? Are there other learnings that you've had from from motion in terms of the customer? Yeah. Groups? So we the other learnings that the customer groups, for example, this is a younger customers who are interested in in car subscription. I know so there are a lot of research that looked into kind of on the general population and general population will say that the young, younger um, custom groups would be more propensed to uh, go on subscription. We also know there is more female customers okay. than kind of, well, at least with the, in comparison to Hyundai um, retail um, customer group. So we see more female and this is definitely, a, you know, a song for my ears because I would like to promote more um, uh, female participation in, in mobility also as a customer base. And we uh, we also know that the three major kind of reasons why customers go uh, for subscription is all inclusive. It's flexibility in terms of, you know, having short contracts or swaps. It's motion we offer uh, swaps, uh, car swap every six months. It's a peace of mind that knowing that after six months you you will be able to change in a different car, maybe because your lifestyle change, maybe because you have less, let's say, a disposal income. So it, it it gives that peace of mind to customers. But also, our customers particularly uh, uh, valued um, that this OEM program. So there is a confidence in, you know, in the product that we're offering to our customers. So I think that's the, 
that's the plus. That's the advantage for OEMs to have uh, um, uh, a motion vehicle car subscription product. It's quite unique, I think. We've we've heard from some startups how they're approaching this change in retail. You're you're speaking from the viewpoint of an OEM that has a startup. So how do you? Uh, well, we've talked about OEMs being almost like cruise ships. They're so they're so big. They take a long time to turn because there's so much bureaucracy involved. Startups, by comparison, are more nimble, more agile, fewer people, fewer boxes to tick. How do you play to the benefits of both? How can you take each to your advantage? Yeah, I think we we need to kind of talk a little bit about Hyundai as a as a company. Mm. Hyundai is coming from humble origins, so it's been you know uh, founded by a real entrepreneur person who didn't have anything uh, and that entrepreneurship spirit been kind of taking through all the years of the development of, of the brand and this is still exists in the brand so it's it kind of a Hyundai innovation it's it's embedded in uh, in everything that we do so even your core core teams would be kind of prompted or asked to, or pushed or whatever word you will use here is to, to innovate, to create something new. And that's, that's I think, is the beneficial for this, you know, to, 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 to create some startup environment as well with me in this Hyundai. So on another side, I would say um, Motion, for example, is kind of as a hybrid. So we are we have a dedicated team. So the team that's kind of small and agile that can operate uh, quickly and also make decisions quicker. On another side, we have a support, which is the benefits of a bigger organization. Have a supporting functions that kind of take some of the burden, you know, administration burden or finance, etc. So it's actually a win-win. I would see it. Um, so we don't have to fight against the bureaucracy because there is little bureaucracy. There is a, you know, kind of a, a clear way of making decisions and, and decisions. And the dealer network is still involved in the in this this program, as I understand it. So that's also, I guess, leveraging some of the the OEM uh, muscle, I suppose, in the locations and that kind of operational support. Uh, how have but how have you found that kind of uh, transition really working with the dealers and the, the program, how have they embraced it? Yeah, so the pilot, we launched the um, program with London retailers. And we see that having collection points on the ground that uh, facilitates customer choice, either to collect free of charge or to have a home delivery for a certain fee. And customers can choose both of the options Retailers, I think it was a little bit a change of mindset change for retailers as well, because it's uh, uh, we work with uh, our partners on the fee basis. Um, so we offer a fee for uh, for a collection of or a handover of the vehicles. And uh, I think we're both learning this relationship is evolving and the retailers as well learning now importance of uh, you know, customer experience that needs to be delivered to motion customers, how that handover needs to happen and any 
kind of operational issues that have um, happen along the way can have a really big impact on you know and customer and also you know all the reputation of the brand so they feel that they're really responsible they they play a, a crucial part in delivering the this good customer experience and building the reputation of Hyundai and motion brand as well um and uh, they also feel that this is the future uh, so my kind of my um uh, the conversation I have with retailers it's uh, it's about it's a complementary channel it's complementary revenue channel but also complementary channel for kind of engaging people who would not actually consider to buy a vehicle to be you know to, to become a part of a Hyundai brand this is another way of bringing people into brand and you know if they love our products if they love love our brand brand they may decide actually to buy a car at some point in their life. So it's, uh, it's, and we've been on a journey with our others as well. Um, so I think building confidence, that's the, that's the future. Mm -hmm. Because the human touch is still so important, right? You can talk about how digital speeds up the process. You, you cut all the pain points. Digital plays a huge role in that. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, what we're hearing is that end users still like to have that human contact to fall back on if there's a flat tire or they want to come in and talk about a function of the car so do you do you factor that in when you're planning your roadmap oh yes absolutely for me that the personal touch um kind of it's very important so handover of a vehicle is very important because this is this is the only that this is only actually physical touch mm -hmm. when the customer gets the vehicle gets the explanation of a product and we need to make sure that this experience is is very good, even better than they would receive it maybe in, in a dealership. Um, so, so that's why we kind of trying to focus on training of our delivery partners. Uh, and developing this, I mean, we're on a journey because it's a startup and kind of a lot of teaching problems, but what we're trying to, to build this brand represented experience when the car, the customer receives a car or customer hand on a car back, because this is the only differentiating point. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it's the thing we've talked about before is where we've, we've been transitioning towards these types of models from, you know, look loans into PCP and then into PCH and we were um, talking on a previous podcast about the the experience of, of the PCH is you kind of get a fleet experience in person in the personal world um, and that's just not what can, consumers expect and, and it's not what they expect today but I mean it's not what they expected 20 years ago but it's not what they expect today and, and, and that's one of the key points of difference when people are saying yeah what's the difference what's the difference between subscription and leasing or subscription and rental it is that it's a, the, the experience and particularly around handover. You have digital upfront and handover. And I had personal experience. I, I, had, this, I had subscribed to a car for a different uh, uh, company. And that element of handover was really disappointing mm. because my car was just dropped in front of a car. I've got the key and here you go. Mm. And then you do, as a customer, you don't know what that kind of um, what, I'm, what I'm supposed to do if something's going wrong 
how I'm going to be taken care of, who I need to talk to. If there's something is not clear with a product, do I need to retail, go to retail, do I need to go somewhere else? So it's it's really important to give that confidence and feeling of a confidence to the customer at the handover point, um, you know, showing that care. Um, and I think, you know, reflecting of what we're trying, what I would like to have uh, uh, as the kind of a, as a, as a differentiating mark for motion is to make our customers happy. Because we're talking about customer satisfaction. The customer satisfaction feels transactional. I ask you something, you gave me something. That's transactional. It's my satisfaction. I'm satisfied, but I'm not necessarily happy. And the thing is how we make our customers feel and how long this feeling lasts, then it's important. And it's, it's there's being satisfied and then there's being happy. And I think... It's an interesting thing. I remember doing some research on rental once, so some consumer focus groups, and I was surprised that the consumer focus groups just went. They said, "No, we don't want it. we don't want a better rental experience." And I was like, "Oh, this is not what we were doing this focus group for." They went, "We just know it's rubbish, so we just go there and we just prepare ourselves. It's going to be filling like filling in a tax return when we go to the rental counter." And you're like, "Hang on a minute, and that the customer maybe they're satisfied in that transaction because it kind of meets their like absolute yeah. lowest like expectation." But that that shouldn't be the the yeah. benchmark for these kind of things. Then it is that bit about you know, the the automotive industry is complex, but the customer doesn't understand that, and frankly doesn't care. You know, if they want something, see, why, why can't you tell me when you go to the, an hour slot when you deliver my car and turn up and do a proper handover? Oh well, that's really complicated because of X Y Z. Customers don't yes. care; they, their expectations. So yeah, I do think it's interesting at that point, and that's definitely where I think some of these newer business models are having their um, are, are going to start to kind of cut their own path, which is interesting. Yeah. And I think retailers now also, you know, I see obviously different kind of trends or different examples of how retailers trying to tackle these this issues, you know, bigger groups maybe investing more in into uh, upskilling the, uh, the um, and a sales force and, and how the customers are treated and, you know, obviously OEMs trying to create product genius, et cetera. Uh, and I think now we're, we're almost like past that stage of only project product genius we read customer genius i don't know what you call them customer success managers who actually take care of customer and in tune with the customer needs and try to um not only meet those needs but create the value for the customer so i think this is what i would like to see from retail retailers kind of to try to shift that mindset that is not only customer for sale, it's actually a person who has all the needs, the mobility needs, and you know, different needs in terms of understanding a product, understanding charging options for EV, maybe to get more, you know, have a little bit more conversation just to build that confidence so that this would lead the customer to become happy and to be able to purchase the product. It's a journey. It's uh, it's not going to happen in a five minutes conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not transactional anymore. That that idea of of happiness is I, I rarely associate happiness with with buying anything um, because it is is usually as you say it's usually transactional and it's usually a case of satisfaction over over happiness. How do you what do you want from a digital platform that conveys happiness? It's hard to imagine you know, flicking through an app, even if it's a really quick process and, and I achieve exactly what I want to do um, in, in 
a matter of minutes with this with this interface am i going to come away feeling happy how do you how do you make that part of the process yeah i think it's a good question because obviously digital you know we talk about ie chat gpt etc mm. this is all kind of exciting but all transactional mm. and it doesn't convey emotions and warmth mm. right but what we can convey to customer is the transparency is we able to manage their expectation as much as we can to tell things upfront kind of so that the customer by the end of the journey on the digital platform get to the journey said oof actually you you made me all to do all of these steps and and here I'm coming and you know you're not accepting me or you or or kind of it's not the result that I was expecting that's this is kind of making customer unhappy I think the digital need to avoid that. So the digital journey needs to be transparent, simple, managing customer expectations in terms of what they will receive at the end. And, you know, just fair. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the transactional things are int- interesting as well because I think that's definitely in, in the auto industry, like in my 20-odd years doing it, that it's it's all about transaction. It's about sale and sale and renewal. Um, and I think one of the interesting things here is that we'll start to move to a thing about measuring churn and that is then satisfaction becomes more important because the bit of satisfaction up front, can I make you satisfied enough that you'll give me some money for this car? And then at the end of it, you can go, can I present you with something that is satisfactory enough that you'll buy another one from me? Mm. And we don't do anything in, in between. Whereas actually, if you're in this situation where the flexibility is there, then you are managing the, the churn of the customer. So you're thinking about it the whole time. But then also then if you retain the customer, you don't have to do sale and renew, sale and renew, you just have a continual revenue forever. Uh, and that becomes a really fascinating like mindset change in, in the industry, I think. Yes, exactly. And this is a mindset from product to service. Yeah. And if you go into hotels, the best hotels and hotel chains and in, in the world, they are selling you not all of the experience is, is that happiness. Because you can be in that world for one day, for two days, and you feel happy. And there are small, small things that kind of builds up to that happiness. So, yeah, I think uh, automotive industry is kind of on a journey, and I would like to see that more of that. Um, yeah, it's about what the, the product enables as well, right? People don't buy a car because uh, some people love cars, kind of sort of not the right to say, but and buy a car because you, it's a thing you love to do. It's a, it's what it gives you is the, the thing. I think we get caught up some so much going, oh, the customer really wants to buy this car. They they don't. They want the mobility that a car gives you. And if they didn't have to change it, maybe they, they would. If you could just always have the, the one that they want. Um, so I do think that's definitely you know, a bit of a, a kind of mindset change, I think. For Well, it probably helps you know that they've got some pretty compelling products on sale at the moment. The EVs are very competitive. The, the combustion cars are pretty efficient and, and good to drive. Um, so I guess in a way, it becomes almost a marketing tool in that sense as well, doesn't it? It's less a you can you can call it a usership scheme. You can you can call it a facilitator, but it's also it plays massively to the strength of the products themselves mm. as a facilitator of that contact, you know, between customer and and brand. One thing I did want to pick up on um, before we bring it to an end, you mentioned sustainability earlier. Now this is becoming a it's not a buzzword anymore because it's 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 at the core of most strategies, corporate strategies. How do you convey that to customers? Do they do they care about the value of sustainability if they're 
if they're just in a car for a few months, do they really care what the, what the process was that, that went into it? I think that's a good question because we kind of for a moment focused on electrification as the main driver for sustainability. Mm. And our motion customers, they are the, the big chunk or the big part of our customers, they only want electric vehicles. Uh, and that's that's kind of almost like unspoken uh, way of, of saying that what we, we're trying to promote um, sustainability. For me, sustainability is not only kind of environmental impact, but it's also social impact. It's also kind of all the different things that we can associate. And personally, I would like to promote more uh, women, you, you know, being, you know, going into electric vehicles. Uh, now there is a lot kind of now go, uh, you know, information on, on, on lines going on that the women probably less uh, um, um, kind of uh, want to buy a car because of lack of confidence how to use charging uh, infrastructure, etc. I think that's what the plan is to, to look into how we attract, how we explain better, how we present better the product and we kind of take away other pain points to not think about other pain points, but just focus on the product. That's uh, that's what happens. It's definitely an in interesting thing, the sustainability. I think um, you know, the timing of when this podcast goes out, but there was a an article written by Rowan Atkinson this weekend about electric vehicles. And I think yeah, it's been widely commented on certainly in my uh, like social streams and stuff and I think there's an interesting thing everyone's focused on electrification now like get electric, electric vehicles into the market I, I've said for a long time they're not hugely accessible as in they're aimed at high price point um, and in that space like typically lower mileage users um, so it's not actually getting the benefit for the people that, that need them the most but then you've also got the thing of like it's actually promoting pushing just new, new we're still on the new 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 and in, in the top and like how I'm also interested in how these new business models will make vehicles be able to be used better because actually electric vehicles just don't age. I, mean, I tell loads of people this. When I got my Ionic 5 um, from one of our, our customers, um, it took me three days to realize it was a year old. I thought it was new. I got it and I went, oh, it's great. Ionic 5 is really nice. Yeah. I kind of misread the number plate. It was 71, not 72. Right. Right? I just kind of like didn't clock it driving along and, I went, and it ticked over 10,000 miles and I went, 10,000 miles, I thought it was new. And because it just felt new, because yeah. there's like so many, so less things to, to kind of age within it. So that you know, we should get more longevity out of them and things. But I think that's still the bit to come, right? We're just, yes. everyone's going, right, get our vice vehicles into electric. But actually then there's that, how do, we, how do we get them into the right people's hands? And also how do we get them to get the, the most out of their, their usable life? Yeah, and this is for edu education. Yeah. And we, going back to test drive, so we can use test drives, a variety of different kind of options of test drive we can offer to a customer to to cater their their needs because we can have, you know, a customer who had already another, another electric car, they just need to test a vehicle and, and go. Or we have a customer who actually interested in an in, in electric vehicle, never even don't know what to do you know, in terms of charging infrastructure, for example. We, we need to dedicate more time to this customer, maybe to provide more unaccompanied uh, time with the vehicle so that customer will fall in love with the vehicle. And I definitely fall, yeah. fell in love with my electric vehicle, the first one. It was like, yeah. 
oh my god it's like yeah. a, i'm flying i'm not driving i'm flying that's the feeling that they had so it, but you need the time to realize that so yeah so this is another thing that we're promoting uh, in through the test drive program that we're running together with the tomorrow journeys is that trying to promote more extended test drives so giving options to customers to live with that vehicle for longer and uh yeah and i come back excited mm. it's, it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of years to watch that conversation go from conceptual this is what it's like to drive an ev to product focus this is what it's like to drive rev and this is why rev is is better so you, you'll probably have to think about you know how that conversation will change shape and uh people will be less concerned about infrastructure hopefully the infrastructure will take shape but um that'd be, it'd be fascinating to watch how you manage that journey is it already underway are you are you thinking about how those conversations change yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, in parallel uh, the product knowledge is important and, and clearly uh, sales executive on the ground they need to and this is this really important. They need to know the how the electric vehicles work, obviously all the different functionalities and complexity of the technology. But how then these vehicle, our products compare to competition? And to be fair, I think Hyundai is is a really good position in terms of you know our comparison to even Tesla. Tesla is that was in the set. Um, but it's uh, but the most important element is that the sales executives need to convey this confidence in terms of how how to live with that EV. Mm. So, what does it mean to charge at home? What does it mean to charge in you know, public charging? What does it mean to charge it on highways? Even just knowing the prices, or even just knowing comparing, you know, different speeds. So if if it's a you know hundred kilowatt charger, so how long it would take you to to charge, or it's a three hundred fifty kilowatt uh, charger, how long it would take you to charge on your way somewhere from you know Midlands from Birmingham to mm-hmm. London? Mm-hmm. All of this conversation needs to happen because this will give practical information to a customer. It's not about kilowatts. It's about three hours, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. or whatever it means in terms of... Yeah, and no, I really loved, like, January for me this year. It was so, so fun. I had a new, new car, and like, bit, yeah, 20 years in the automotive industry, now I'm getting first electric car. I learned so much stuff. And obviously, like, in the space, I work with lots of companies like yourselves, and, like, know, I've read lots of things, but you, you only learn stuff by doing it. I was like, oh, right, so I'm plugging in this 150 kilowatt charger. Why is it only charging at 50 kilowatts? Oh, it's minus six outside and it won't do it. Yeah. Oh, right, okay, I didn't know that. And it's just things that you kind of have to to get get to grips with. But then you go, oh, actually, it's fine. I can just park it in. There's a Costa next door. Right? I'm just going to have a coffee and it will charge in this time. So there's things that almost like you can't be taught. You just have to learn because they're almost like unique to, to you and your own situation. So definitely having that time with a, with a vehicle is really, uh, really fascinating. Um I wanted to change the subject quickly because I know we're running close on time. One of just a bit about um, a kind of final bit, I guess, within your role is a bit about transformation. And we've talked yeah. a bit about um, motion and working with the dealers. Uh, but I'm just interested in kind of some of the learnings that that you've had in implementing some of these projects, both actually the test drive program that we've we've worked on together, but also motion and, and some others in how uh, yeah, trans- implementing something that's so different into a complex and you know, often... Um, 
you know, a bit archaic <laughs> processes. And uh, so it's interesting that any, any learnings and any things that you picked up from that, because that's the thing we're going to have to be tackling for the next five to 10 years across the board. Right? Yeah, I guess to, to implement some digital technology change in a way that things are doing is not was it uh, easier. And my approach and what I see it works, it's first of all, kind of winning hearts and minds of, you know, people who decision makers in retailers so that they understand the value of that transformation and needs to happen not only short term, but actually strategic long term value. And those conversations and engagements that are really important with the dealer principals, with head of franchise, with sales managers, just explaining just why we're doing it and what the benefits to both, not only OEM, but to retailers and customers. And I always want to start with the customer because the, if the customer are happy, they will kind of be, you know, everyone will be happy, right? So that's, um, and the learning is that you need to communicate, communicate and engage and engage and continuous engagement to keep uh, um, retailers engaged in those conversations because it's very easy for them to slip back into this short-term thinking with the objectives needs to be met and that every week they, you know, they have targets, every month they have targets. It's this trying to um, keep their uh, attention on these transformational projects um, continuously. And also another learning is start small. So we're kind of trying to uh, launch, obviously picture the, the picture the vision, what it should look like, that's, that's great. But then showing how we can change starting doing something small and showing that actually works. So minimum viable product, I mean, we, we, you know, as a part of startup or innovative uh, or innovation, uh, um, you know, practices, minimum viable product, uh, the solutions work, work very well because you have something small and it, it still work. You can de demonstrate that some benefits of it and build on that, start building additional blocks and, and to add value both to customers and, and the retailers. So this is how we launched our um, Tomorrow Journeys online uh, test drive booking platform. Uh, started small, um, it was uh, Yonic 5 now is available for uh, online booking. We kind of figure out a few things that needs to be changed or needs to be improved. But then we'll build the strengths of that proposition and we'll show retailers that actually it works and then benefits to them as well. And we already have positive feedback yeah, yeah. More test drives, good feedback, good more stories. More and that's and transparency. I think that's the whole principle that we we actually able to manage that transparency, that, that value of transparency of the information both to, to customer and to retailer. And that's that's the benefit for uh, for everyone. So yeah, that's that's kind of my learnings so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still more to still still more 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 to do across the industry in that that transformation yes. space. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting to to see some some early successes from from your side. I think it's really yeah, fascinating. Well, it's reassuring. I don't know about for you, Chris, but it's reassuring for me to hear that happiness and transparency can still play a role in the uh, in the modern retail space. Thank you very much for sharing those insights with us. It's been really interesting to hear from you, and uh, I'm fascinated to see how motion progresses and, uh, and what happens in high and eye retail space. So thank you very much for joining me, both of you, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye.